Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, two and O time, two and O time. Didn't play great and won by 23 points time. Guys, I think things could be all right time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Govals 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Saturday evening, uh, just about, uh, I think it's exactly 2.1 miles uh, from here to Neyland Stadium, which is where uh, Patrick Brown and I were just a little bit ago for Tennessee's, uh, what, what do you call it? What's, uh, well, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the super comfortable. Yeah, we'll just go ahead and say the home opener for Tennessee. And I don't want to say it was a super comfortable win for the Vols, uh, but it was a 35-12 to win by the Vols over Missouri. Uh, in a game where, honestly, guys, I think Tennessee made the plays it needed to make. It never got too uncomfortable uh, in that game. And uh, when you are in a situation, here's here's the way I tried to explain it to somebody on my drive home just a few minutes ago uh, when I was driving from the stadium over here. It's a short drive, but I had a conversation with somebody, and I was telling them, listen, Tennessee just did not play anywhere near as well as it's capable of playing, and it won an SEC game by 23 points. Pat, I think that tells you sort of where things are right now and, and and maybe not as great as they could be, but in a much better situation. Yeah, Wes, I, I made this comment to somebody actually in the press box. I think it was during the fourth quarter, and I was like, it's kind of weird covering a program that routinely handles the games it's supposed to routinely win. And I think we saw that today with Tennessee. You know, they weren't perfect, but you know, did a lot of good things. I think they were uh, less inconsistent than we saw uh, at South Carolina last week. You saw them, they were better on third down. Uh, they were, um, you know, they ran the ball better, 232 yards on the ground. Um, you know, we, we saw them do a lot of good things, and but you also saw a lot of things that when the coaching staff and the players review film on Sunday uh, or Monday, whenever they look back at it, they'll see plenty of things that they can do better. So um, that's kind of where this, this program is, is. It's kind of, you know, it doesn't necessarily play the perfect game. I don't know, and, and I think Jeremy Pruitt said the same. I don't, I don't think they played the you know, put the perfect game together just yet, but uh, they're playing well enough to win. And I think you saw some things that were definitely improved uh, from week one to week two. Yeah. And, and for, for context here, guys, uh, Tennessee rushed for 232 yards in this one over Missouri on 51 carries. Uh, that's a pretty solid number. That's 4.5 yards a carry. That's controlling uh, the ball. That's controlling. I don't want to say controlling the clock because they move fast, but controlling the tempo, uh, playing the game the way they wanted it to be played. And here's the here's one of the stats that really got me from this game. Uh, Tennessee's Eric Gray, Ty Chandler, and Jabari Small, who, who were the top three backs in this game, uh, really mostly Chandler and Gray, but Small did have four carries. We'll talk about him here in a minute. Uh, but Tennessee's top three backs in this game had 39 carries, zero lost yardage. 
everything they were doing was moving forward. Uh, Gray had 6.6 yards of carry. Chandler had almost five yards of carry. Small at 6.8 of carry in a, in a small sample size. Uh, but Tennessee, the uh, first game with Cade Mays there, uh, starting at, at right guard, or starting at right tackle, I should say, uh, playing right guard and right tackle throughout the game. Uh, rotated a lot of guys up front, uh, but still to do that, 39 carries from those top three guys and zero loss yardage, uh, four for four on third down, uh, on fourth down situations. Uh, the offensive line was confident, said, let's go, you know, keep us on the field. Let's go, let's ride. Pruitt, uh, you know, obliged. He let them stay out there. They connected on all four of those fourth downs. Uh, they controlled things up front, and that's that's what this team wanted to be and what it needs to be, I think. Yeah, and, and you saw this, uh, and really, I, I think it's impressive to run that many times and not have any uh, lost yardage plays. Now, they did have some sacks um, that, that that bring the rushing total down. I will say again, I wish college football would change that. I wish they'd go to the NFL rule. Yeah, it's a stupid where rushing list. yardage isn't affected by sacks because sacks aren't running plays. So, um, but that's either, neither here nor there. But I, I think you're seeing, and some people, you know, may, may say the offensive line hasn't played great. Um, you can't blow everybody off the ball every time. You know, you're not going to run for eight yards every every time you run the ball. Oh yeah. Um, sometimes a four yard run is a really good run. Uh, and the fact that now is Tennessee's offensive line has improved to the point where arguably runs that were, you know, zero yards or even lost yards in the past were are uh, now they're three and four yards and even five yards. And I think that's a credit to what they've done on the offensive line recruiting wise. I think it's what they've done. Uh, I think the running backs have done a good job too. Both Ty Chandler and Eric Gray did a good job of um, not trying to do too much. I think Pruitt said that after the game. You know, sometimes running backs maybe try to bounce runs, try to try to hit the home run. Sometimes it's it's okay to just stick your hat in there and, and get three or four yards and fall forward. So um, good signs. Uh, I think I think Missouri's defense front's actually decent. Um, yeah, I know I, I think that might be the best part of their their defense uh, for the Tigers. But um, you know, for for Tennessee to go out there and look more a little bit, uh, maybe look more like the offensive line that I think a lot of people were hoping to see. And uh, it, it's funny, uh, Pruitt talking after the game about how, you know, I know Cade Mays, one thing, I know he's tired, you know, and, and talking about conditioning of some of these guys. And uh, and that's going to be big. If you're going to be, you know, running the ball a lot, if you're going to be running the ball 40, 50 times a game, you're going to need your offensive line to get stronger and better as the game goes on and, and in the fourth quarter. So, um, that's an area to work on. But as you said, no negative yardage runs. I think that says a lot about um, just the sharpness of, of, of the individual guys up front because uh, a lot of times those negative yardage plays come from a guy turning a guy loose or a guy missing a block. So um, for that level of consistency to be there with those uh, with those plays, I think that's a really good sign for Tennessee and something they can build on moving forward. Yeah, Tennessee's uh, sack-adjusted rushing yardage in this game, I believe, was about 245 yards. Uh, you know, if you if you subtract those sacks, and, and and I think that's probably more that's pretty good. Yeah, that's more indicative of what they actually did in the game. I, I agree with you, Pat, about the NFL rule being superior in that way. Uh, but I thought there were some mature runs from Ty Chandler in that way. Uh, you talked about not turning the ball, not 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 trying to to kind of leak everything outside, not trying to hit a home run every time you go up there. Ty Chandler had a lot of situations in this game, and Gray had a few also where they just took the four or five yards that were in front of them uh, instead of maybe trying to bounce it outside where you could get 30 uh, or you, 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 you might get about two. So they did a pretty good job, I think, of taking what was there in front of them. And I think they both showed pretty good power, too. There were a lot of runs in this game. And it, when you watch a game, and I've seen this too many times from Tennessee's point of view in the past years where, where they're on the other side of this. 
when it looks like you've gotten no gain on a play and you've really gotten about four yards, that's when your running game is good. That's when you're winning the line of scrimmage and when you kind of get an optical illusion and you think, well, they didn't get much on that. And then you look up and it's four or five yards. That's when you're really, really, really kind of mashing people in the running game and you're winning the point of attack because too many times teams have been on the other side doing that to Tennessee in games and plays where it looked like Tennessee got no gain. Uh, they really had no gain. And, and team where their opponent looks like they had no gain, they had three to five yards. That's where you can really see, I think, when a running game is starting to to win the line of scrimmage and make an impact on the opponent. Uh, because like you said, I, I think Missouri's defensive line probably was a little bit better than I thought. Uh, and I think Missouri's line, linebackers, and I've said this for years about Missouri's linebackers and secondary, there may not be a lot of absolute studs back there, but they do their job and they tackle. And when they get to you, they usually get you on the ground. And that's been a really consistent, they've had a couple of coaches, coaching changes in that program. That's been one thing I think that's been pretty consistent there. When they get their hands on you, they usually wrestle you to the ground. Uh, So you have to kind of take what's in front of you at times and you have to kind of methodically go down the field. Tennessee didn't have a lot of huge splash plays in this game. Uh, You know, Gray had no runs longer than 22 yards. Chandler had no runs longer than 21 yards. Uh, Their two long passes in this game were 36 and 33 yards. Missouri will keep you in front of them, uh, and you have to earn your way down the field. And when you look at Tennessee scoring drives in this game, uh, I believe uh, I'm going to go down the list. A 16 play and a 14 play touchdown drive. Yeah, Yeah. and this is so much different from the most. So much different from the game against South Carolina. Tennessee had 14 play drive, nine play drive eight-play drive, 16-play drive, and eight-play drive on a short field situation. So they were in a lot of third and fourth down situations. They just kept them manageable, and they did what they needed to do. And I thought it was a mature performance in a lot of ways. And the defense, we'll talk about them in a minute too, but the defense I think managed the game well too because all three areas of Tennessee's game today could have done better in, in a lot of ways. But they managed what was in front of them. They were able to make the plays that mattered, third down, fourth down, you know, score touchdowns in the red zone, keep opponents out of the end zone uh, when they get to the red zone. They did those things in this game. Yeah, and you go back to go back to Missouri's defense. They, you know, they've had a coaching change there, and you saw maybe some uh, some of the kinks still getting worked out on offense with with Eli Drinkwitz and what he wants to do. You didn't see that on defense because they Drinkwitz kept their their defensive coordinator Ryan Walters. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of continuity on that side of the ball. They got two pretty good scout defensive tackles um, in Whiteside, and I can't can't remember the other guy's name. He's another big body, and then Nick Bolton. I think is one of the best, probably one of the best linebackers in the SEC. I agree. That, I agree uh, that nobody really knows about. And and on one run, um, Eric Gray made him look pretty silly a couple of times. But and Jer- and, 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 and Garantano gave him a stinger. Also. Yeah, and and a couple times a couple times in this game, Missouri had you know, seven, eight guys in the box. I think on uh, one one play when um, I think Gray had a, had a 22-yard run. That's my dog barking, by the way. That's okay. Uh, uh, Gus barks in like two-thirds of the podcast and Zoom press conferences we have, so I think people are, are okay with this. So uh, on the one play where uh, Gray bounced outside and, and left a guy, you know, broke, broke your guy's ankles there, he was uh, had eight guys in the box in the so they were the way they play defense. They play in your face. They play. Um, they play the run a certain way, and you know for Tennessee to run as well as they did um, on those uh, against a defense like that, I think is impressive. And um, again, you you look at you know Tennessee's ugly plays on offense now are even getting 
three, four yards. You know, you look down and say like three, four yards on first down. That's pretty good. You know, you get it to, um, you know, you get it to manageable situations. You saw this last week, you know, Tennessee was one of 11 on third down, but their average on third down, except for, you know, at the end there where they got a third and 27 was about five yards, which is manageable. Yep. You know, usually for, usually for that number, usually for Tennessee, that number was close to eight and nine uh, last year. So you see the improvement there. And then, um, you know, I think this offense is not just going to continue to get better because those guys are going to get used to playing with each other. You know, I thought Wanya Morris had a pretty good game. Uh, and that's impressive for a guy that's missed 28 days of of the preseason Cade Mays I think was a guy that was missing some time too so yeah. uh, as these guys get used to playing together as Cade Mays gets used to playing next to Jerome Carvin next to Darnell Wright so on and so forth these guys are going to continue to to get better and uh, but so is the competition and, and that's I think that's what everybody's waiting to see for for Tennessee moving forward is uh, is how good can this offensive line be against some of the uh, best teams but offensively I think you I think there's a lot to like about this performance because no turnovers, only three penalties, uh, and five touchdowns and five red zone trips. That's that's really good efficiency, and I think they were 6-13 of 13 on third down too. Yeah, they were. And, and when you think about, to put in perspective here, Tennessee was 6-13 of 13 on third down, which is infinitely better than going 1-11 for 11 the previous week. But really, if you think about it, on those, on those situations right there, uh, Tennessee left a lot of those third downs. They got within like an, you know half a yard of the stick. So on 13 of those – you know, they, they got six, they didn't get seven, but on the seven they didn't get, they went down and got it again on the fourth down on the next play. So really, so if you ten, want to be cute, they were nine of 13. Well, really 10 of 13, you know, cause you think about it cause they, yeah, they well, moved the cause sticks. I can't do math. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, so, so you think about it and that's what happens when you manage a game. And before we cap this first segment, I really want to talk about this because I was really impressed really impressed with the way Tennessee kind of maturely managed this game because you're not going to always have games where you go out there and you throw for 350 yards and you have like an 80-yard kick or punt return for a touchdown, you block a punt for a touchdown. That's not going to happen in every game. Sometimes you just have to manage a game. And Tennessee, when you look at the the total yards in this game, it was what, I think 422 to 345 or 344. They really only outgained them by about 80 yards, which is a significant amount, but not an amount where you should be winning a game by 23 points, especially when you also miss a field goal. But Tennessee, here's what Tennessee did. Tennessee forced Missouri, I think uh, twice Missouri got uh, sort of in the red zone or near the red zone. Tennessee pushed them back, got them into a field goal. Uh, They got down again to scoring range in the fourth quarter, where if they score, that gets pretty interesting. Tennessee comes up with the interception. Theo Jackson, who's filling in uh, for Sean Schamberger at the star position, I think they miss Schamberger a lot. I think he'll be back next week, and I think he'll make them a lot better. But Jackson, to his credit, he was not supposed to – the play that he made on that interception, he was supposed to be in the flat, but he just read the quarterback's eyes, and he saw when Mizzou's quarterback rolled out, he said, I bet he's going right here. And we could see it from where we were, because I remember you asked me uh, if I saw who got the the pass rush on that play, but I just saw Jackson out of the corner of my eye starting to break, and I was like, oh, he's going to pick this off. And he got a really good read on it, went out of his area to make a play. But Tennessee in those three situations right there, that could have been 21 points, and it was six points. That right there is winning football. And, and Tennessee did miss a field goal, so Maglia needs to get some things straightened out. That's uh, he's not been automatically this season. They're going to work on that. Uh, but they managed a game because when they got to the red zone, they came away with stuff. And on the other end, they were good defensively in the red zone. In money situations, third downs, I thought they were pretty good. They were pretty disciplined with only three penalties for 20 yards. 
Um, I, I thought they put the ball on the ground once, but they they didn't lose it. Uh, so I, I think I think in terms of maturity, this was how a mature football team handles these kinds of games. It was businesslike, and there is nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think you know Tennessee was up fourteen nothing within you know within inside the first thirty seconds of the second quarter, yes. uh, and you really never felt like they were under duress. You know, we talked about like in baseball, stressful pitches for a pitcher, yep. guys on base. You know, things could get, things could get hairy real quick. Uh, I never really saw that with, with Tennessee. You know, they were. Uh, when it was 14-6 and it looked like Missouri kind of had some momentum, you know, they go down and get the touchdown right before half. That was a really nice drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the play with Theo Jackson, they were kind of wobbling there a little bit. Um, Missouri looked like they were trying to, you know, it was a two-possession game. I don't know why Drinkwitz went, went for two after the first touchdown because you could have scored there and been with an eight without a two-point conversion. So, I don't, I don't – some of these coaches with the math just kind of throw me off. Anyways – um, I agree. It's, it's, it, it's, Jackson, it's a different way of thinking from the way that we kind of grew up thinking about that, but they, they do yeah, it differently. It, you don't go for two until you absolutely have to, or so right. I thought, but anyways, um, yeah, it, it, you know, they go down and, and convert that into the touchdown that puts the game away. Um, that was some of the, you know, maybe the killer instinct that they really didn't have. Uh, I think it's South Carolina. You had a couple drives there in that game last week where they could have extended the lead, gotten a stop, put the game away, what have you. Um, after, after Toto's pick six, you know, had a couple of possessions to, to build the lead and didn't do it because the, you know, the defense was playing well, the offense couldn't capitalize. Um, and so, you know, to see them sort of take control and put the game away in the fourth quarter was, was good to see. And, um, you know, I, I think you, you know, I think Jeremy Pruitt likes the team. I think he likes some of the potential that they have. He knows they've got to play better. And uh, I was actually reading some, you know, some that you said for, some of your tweets from earlier, uh, as Trey Smith said, this team can't, can't play better. They leave that sense of you. They leave that sense with you just about every week. You're like, this team can get better. Yep. And at some point, I think they'll they might be able to put it all together. Um, if you're Tennessee, you got to be hoping this next week against Georgia because that would obviously be a huge statement if you can go go down there and, and put your best game together and do that. And I think that's what we're going to talk about for a significant chunk of the second segment. We're going to step away, guys. We're going to come. We're going to go break, uh, pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, all those other fun things. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about two things uh, mostly. I think we're going to talk about things Tennessee absolutely needs to clean up for Georgia uh, for next week against the Dogs, but. Uh, can Tennessee actually – can they make you believe that they have a chance in a game like this? Are they to that point yet? I think they are really, really close to that, uh, which makes this really interesting and it's making it fun. And uh, it's exciting to talk about. We, we, we've seen a lot of crap football, you know, the past decade. Uh, let's just call it what it is, guys. Uh, but I think this team might be close to, to giving us something much better to look at. So we're going to step away and we're going to be right back. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to us from an undisclosed location at an undisclosed portion of uh, the Knoxville area. We will leave it at that. It's now an indoor area because the dog started barking. Well, I think I, our neighbors are outside as well, and she barks at people from a distance. Now, if you get close to her, she's sweet, but... She likes to bark from a distance. So to keep everyone from hearing barking dog, I've moved inside. Yeah, my we, undisclosed location. Yeah, Gus is a corgi, so he barks at a lot of things. He'll bark at like a fly buzzing across the room. He squirrel, squirrel. You know, it's kind of their personality. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that that we got a lot of fun things to talk about here in the second segment. Before we do that, though, I'm going to remind you again: please go in there, guys, mash that subscribe button on this podcast. Uh, wherever you can cast the fine pod, you can find this podcast. Whether that's Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, uh, anywhere in the Google Marketplace, you can go to uh, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, where you know, right, right to the megaphone page. You can. There are so many places. Anywhere you can cast a pod, you can find this podcast. Uh, but if you can go in there for just one second, we do this for free. We're happy to do it for free. We really are. The only thing we ask for, please go in there and, in there and subscribe. Please go in there and hit a rating and review. Uh, if there's something you want to hear us talk about on this podcast, if there's something that you like, if there's something you think we could do better, if there's something, uh, someone you'd like to see us speak with at, at some point, uh, trying to have a guess we could try to round up, whatever, whatever you think about this podcast, please go in there and tell us. And if you got a question, well, we might go in there and answer it. I think we will eventually go in there and do more of those. We're going to do more mailbag episodes as the season goes on. Uh, a lot of fun things. Uh, this podcast just getting started. I know we've been doing it for, for a while now, but I, I think we're really, we're, I can see the numbers. We're really taking this thing to the next level, and we appreciate that. But help us out as we continue to grow this podcast. Pat, we, we, we spoke a lot in the first segment, and you and I were exactly... 2.1 miles away from where I'm sitting right now here at Fort Rucker Studio at Neyland Stadium. And I know it's exactly 2.1 miles because uh, my wife went to the game uh, and walked there and back and looked at her, um, you know, basically measured it. And it was 2.1 miles from where I'm sitting right now. That's where Neyland Stadium is. And Tennessee went out there and beat Missouri 35-13. to 13. You and I were there. Uh, and Tennessee, I, I think this is – the for me, it's the biggest story of the day, I think, is that Tennessee – 
could have played a lot better, but still won an SEC game by 20, what, 23 points. Let that sink in. 23 points. Tennessee beat an SEC team. I think it was Tennessee's biggest margin of victory in an SEC game since 2015, maybe, or 2016. It's been a while, guys, since Tennessee has done that to an SEC team. And the Vols did not come close to playing their best football in any phase of the game. Uh, maybe running game. It, sometimes they look close to what as good as they could be. Um, but overall, a lot of things they could have done better. And they need to do them better because they're coming up uh, against Georgia next Saturday. We don't know exactly when that time is going to be. I guess they'll release it uh, sometime tonight or uh, maybe Sunday morning uh, whenever they make that decision. I'm sure the Georgia-Auburn game tonight uh, maybe could have a factor in that. But here's the thing. We need to talk about this because Tennessee needs a few things to get turned around quickly. Uh, I think Tennessee special teams – Brent Samaglia, I don't know if it's getting adjusted to a new snapper. I don't know if it's just something uh, with his timing. I don't I don't know what it is exactly because Joe Doyle rules is back as his holder, so everything's fine there. Uh, it's a new snapper. I don't know what it is exactly, but he's now one of three. He missed from 39 yards, pulled it to the left. Hey, even the best go through times where they miss a couple. That's part of football, right? Uh, Samaglia had an awful game last year against Missouri, so maybe he just doesn't like kicking against this team for whatever reason. But you look at it, and Tennessee uh, needs him to play at the level he's capable of. I also think Tennessee needs to be careful, as well as they did uh, run blocking in this game. There were a couple times where I think they really let Jarrett Garantano down in pass coverage. He got hit too many times. He got absolutely obliterated, I think, on his first drop back of the game. Uh, He got hit so hard it almost seemed like they called targeting at first, but then you go back and look at it and go, Oh, no, that was actually just a – he just got the crap knocked out of him. Uh, that was a legal hit. Uh, he, it was to the shoulder. So he got hit too many times. I think defensively uh, there's a few things they need to tighten up. Schamberger needs to come back. Uh, they need to get that defensive line. It's playing pretty solid football, but it needs to play better football. And I think the linebackers in pass coverage – Uh, They got some issues there with matchups. I think Schamberger coming back will help him at the star position there. Uh, But also uh, the inside linebacker who's playing next to Toto, whether that's Crouch, Banks, I think there's still a hole there in pass coverage. So there's a few things, maybe rush the passer a little bit better. Uh, I think there's a couple things they could tighten up, um, but it's early in the season, Pat. It's a weird camp, and and it's kind of where a lot of teams are right now. Yeah, I think the secondary was, uh, I don't want to say surprising to me in a bad way today, but I think they gave up seven completions to Missouri of, of 15-plus yards. Um, and that's th- those are too many big plays. Um, some of those were breakdowns. Some of those were, you know, giving up inside position and they hit you on a slant. Um, there's one of those plays where they just let turn the guy loose after Missouri – Botch the snap. So sometimes those things happen. Yeah, he was going after. Um, I think I think he was going after the fumble, wasn't he? Because he because because the the quarterback yeah, dropped the snap and, and the cornerback tried to get the ball, and that's what led to problems. And you can't, you know, I don't, I don't know what they're taught to do on those plays, but um, you know, had another play that you know Missouri, you know, had Theo Jackson, a guy run right by him. I guess he thought they were in zone and got dropped the ball. So um, yeah. You know, I think Jalen McCullough had a couple balls complete on him. You might expect that, though. He's missed some time. He's still rusty. Um, the linebackers continue to um, kind of be iffy in cover. I think Quaveris Crouch was in perfect position on that play. The fourth um, down? Fourth and one. The guy just dropped it in over him. Um, and sometimes it's like – sometimes college football is like the NBA where good offense beats good defense. It just happens sometimes. Um, you know, if that throw is just a little bit off, maybe he gets a hand on it. So Beautiful throw. Um yeah, and so that that you know that's going to happen sometimes, but 
Um, yeah, I think in the secondary, they, they need to get Sean Schamberger back, and they're expected to do so against Georgia. Uh, you wonder where he is in terms of his rust. Yeah. Um, I do think it was interesting that you know Pruitt said after the South Carolina game that, that Theo Jackson is not really a star, doesn't really play that position, but uh, they went with him over Danico Slaughter. Uh, against Missouri, which I thought was was interesting. I don't even know if Slaughter played on on defense, but um, they didn't have Bryce Thompson either. He was uh, banged up um, in practice on Tuesday and really only played. He started the game, and then from that point on, really only played in the dime package when they had six guys. And he plays the money. Yeah, he went. He went to play money. So he had a, he actually had a nice play early in the game where he made a tackle on um, on a third down play, uh, got another tackle for loss, but. Um, they need to get him back right, uh, and I think if they get Thompson and Schamberger back, I think that's going to make a big difference. And get some guys, you know, McCullough needs more practice time because he missed a lot. You know, if, if you're missing practice time, you, you don't really want to do it right before a game, right before the season. Um, I, I think if you, uh, and that's what Tennessee's issue was, is they, you know, they had a lot of guys miss right in the middle of camp, and they also had some guys miss kind of right, you know, in the run into the first game, and those guys are still playing catch up a little bit. So. Um, they need, they need to get some of those things corrected. You know, we, we didn't see them make as much of an impact on the quarterback today as I thought they would. You know, Missouri had some issues in protection against Alabama, but maybe Alabama's that, you know, that good. Um, and then, you know, we didn't didn't see the same impact from Keevon Bennett and DeAndre Johnson. Um, Missouri had a second, you know, a le- their left tackle was starting for the second time in his career. So uh, Johnson did get home once, and, and Bennett did get some pressure. You know, they did have some pressures here and there, but – um yeah they they need to you know i still think they're still still trying to figure things out on the defensive line one guy that did kind of flash for me today on the defensive line was amari thomas yes yes he uh, did he, he good a, call he had a couple of plays on one drive where he uh, he did have one tackle for loss another play where he he got in the backfield uh not in the backfield but made a play at the line so i'm interested to see if he gets more playing time and and um that's kind of what pruitt said earlier in the week was you know they got a lot of guys that deserve to play really on both both of both of the lines of scrimmage and um, on the defensive line, I'm interested to see if they start trimming down that rotation. They did get Daryl Millison back today too. We should mention that. Uh, I don't know. How, I don't know how much of an impact on the game he actually made, but uh, they did get him back out there, and now it's 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 for him like it is for a lot of guys that are just trying to shake off some rust. I, I, I hesitate to to say specifically which drive it was, but you're right, Middleton. There was one drive in particular where he made a big impact. He made a tackle, and then he made a, a play where he flushed the quarterback out of the pocket, chased him down, and forced him in, into, a, I believe, an either an incompletion or kind of a rollout, kind of chuck, chuck down kind of deal. And they ended up, I think, settling for a field goal on that drive. And, and so Middleton made a big impact there. But there's a couple guys up front, uh, really a few guys, that I expected to hear their names a little bit more, and, and I think they need to get going. Uh, you know, Middleton's a guy who he missed the opener. Okay, I get that. So there's an issue there. Uh, they, they, they need to get him back and get him more conditioning and everything. I get that. Aubrey Solomon's another guy who missed some time in camp. Uh, he's kind of played a little bit in the first couple games, but he really hasn't made a huge impact yet. And he's a guy who I think, um, even if he never really proves he, he was a, a legit kind of five-star kind of guy, he's still capable of playing at a pretty high level. We've all seen it. And he's a guy who I think needs to play more. And another name, a, a guy I, I thought I thought we'd hear Matthew Butler's name a little bit more early on this season. I don't know what the deal is there. He, he's playing some reps. He had three tackles in the game today. He's done a couple of good things, but I really kind of thought he would do a little bit more. Um, and, and Bumpus is a guy who had one quarterback hurry uh, in this game, but but we haven't heard his name a lot. And and. 
Pruitt mentioned this in camp, and I think I don't want to say we glossed over this pat because I don't think we did. I think we mentioned it, but I think we may have we maybe should have had our antennas up a little bit more about the defensive line and the time they missed with COVID because I don't think they're playing at the level that they could be playing at. And the offensive line for Tennessee is playing much better. They look so much better than they have in a long time there uh, in terms of pushing off the ball, doing things. Defensively, I don't know that this defensive line can be great, but I think it can be pretty solid, pretty good. And I think we need to see more from that group. I think give them a little bit of a pass. They had a weird camp. They need to get in shape. They're big guys, tough job. But I think we can expect more from them at some point. Yeah, the, I did improve it. I don't think hit his concerns about the defensive line going into the season. There were some concerns about that group. Um, I think at this point, maybe the approach to take with the defensive line is, uh, I think the hope was that it would be a strength. At this point, it's probably not going to be a strength, but also might not be a liability. And maybe that's something Tennessee can work with. Now, can they? Uh, can that be the case and you beat Georgia? Probably not. But it, it can be the case and you handle South Carolina and the Missouris and the Kentuckys of the world. So, um, that that might just be where they uh, where they are on on, on that group um, with that group, and so that's why they're rotating a lot. Um, I I think they played ten guys today. If you want to throw Middleton in there, you know they only tra- they traveled nine guys on the defensive line. South Carolina, all of them played. Although I think Mincy and Amari Thomas played just one snap each, um, or maybe two. But uh, they you know they rotated ten guys in there today. You know. Because because I think Jaquan Blakely is is in their um, in their in their dime packages, so um, they're rotating up there trying to figure it out. Maybe they're hoping it's uh, they stay fresh. Maybe maybe they're hoping that uh, their qual- their quality comes from the quantity of how many guys they play. So um, I think that's concerned. I think they can definitely play better at both linebacker positions. Um, they can get more consistent there off the edge with some of those guys. You know, Tyler Barron had a good first game. We didn't hear as much of, about him uh, against Missouri. Um, and, and then they keep rotating Crouch and, and Banks there next to Toe Toe with varying degrees of uh, of success or otherwise. So um, still, this defense, I think, is still a little bit of a work in progress. Um, again, they played well enough today. A little bit of bend, don't break. Saw that a little bit last week against South Carolina, too. And um, if you're and that's, you know, that's that's a good quality on defense to have is um, if you can keep teams from getting into the end zone, even if you let them look good between the between the twenties. So um, if you can play, if you can play defense like that, you will, you will be in a, you, you'll be able to play well enough to keep yourself in a lot of games. So, um, and, and I think those linebackers, particularly the inside guys, I think Crouch and Bakes are just going to get better. They're talented players. The staff really likes them. Um, and, and, you know, I think Crouch had a nice play where he stuck his nose up in there in the hole for, uh, you know, against um, yeah, uh, the run and, and Banks too. You know, I think when, and those guys get to the point where they can see stuff and, and trigger real quick and they know what's coming just from recognizing formations and stuff. I think that'll help them a lot and uh, they'll become even better players than, uh, than they are right now at this very early stage of their careers. Yeah, I'll, I'll paraphrase Napoleon Bonaparte here when I'll say that, uh, or, or quote him exactly, I guess, when, when I say that uh, sometimes uh, quantity has a quality all its own. So they're just throwing bodies at it. Although they they might have one less body to throw at them against now he's Georgia. A philosophizer. Yeah, where you philosophizing? Can you you Googleize, um, or you Googly? 
but I, I think that one thing to, to note is that Elijah Simmons, um, and I know I joke all the time about that, uh, that, that just lovely velvety voice that that big fella has, uh, but the redshirt freshman defensive tackle does play an important role uh, in their goal line kind of short yardage package. He is the nose because he's built to play nose guard. I mean, he's kind of a fire hydrant out and there. he started today again, too. Yes, and, and he, he's played a lot. You know, he, he, he's been rotating in there, and they've, they've liked how his progression from, from last season, and he's a guy to watch going forward. Uh, but he got rolled up on uh, in the goal line, in a goal line situation uh, in that Missouri game. I think it's uh, it was in that sort of near the goal line right before they kind of scored there on that fourth and goal. Uh, he went down. He got rolled up on. He walked off on his own, but not very well. He, he was clearly in some pain. So that's a position where, they, you know, they don't really have many natural nose guards on this team. I know that you think about the football's changing and you don't necessarily have a 330-pound guy, you know, sitting there in the middle of the nose all the time in those three, four defenses. But he, it's an important position and you got to have some – you know, the, I, I guess they can move Solomon back there. They they can do some things. They got some guys who can play there. But I think that's one thing to watch going forward. Um, but Pat, he, here's where I am on this now. I I think that there have been times going into big games in the past few years where we have said, could Tennessee win this game? Sure, but a billion things have to go right. Like you know, if Tennessee was going up against a Georgia or Alabama, you would say, listen, could they go out there and shock the world? Yeah, maybe. Um, but you're going to have to have Georgia or Bama play a pretty poor game, and Tennessee's going to have to have just about everything go right. And if that happens, um, you know, get a break or two in there, maybe you're right there in that game, you, you put some pressure on them, and you see what happens. Going into this game against Georgia now, and we say this, you know, we're recording this, the Georgia-Auburn game has not kicked off yet. It's getting ready to here in a little bit. It'll probably be in the first quarter or so by the time that we publish this. Um, but, uh, you know, I think going into this game, when you look at where Tennessee is and how much better Tennessee could play than it has, Pat, I swear to you, I'm not going to say Tennessee is there yet. I'm just, I'm, done, I'm just not. There's too many more things they have to do, but they are so much closer. They don't necessarily have to play a perfect game to be in there, I think, with Georgia next week. I really do believe that. I think they're closer. Well, they're definitely closer, and I know the staff believes that they're closer, um, and, and they believe that they can make up for they, – they've got it close enough to where they could even make up for it um, with the game plan and how they play um, because based on the past two seasons, Tennessee really didn't have much business playing Georgia Tough. And uh, you can make the case that Tennessee did play Georgia Tough. You know, that game two years ago down in Athens was uh, – Georgia's kind of cruising and Tennessee put some game pressure on them there in the yep. fourth quarter, got it down to a two-possession game. I always say – uh, it's a game if it's if you're one play from being one play away, and Tennessee was yep. got that down to twelve, um, and, and made Georgia go down and convert some third downs and put the game away. So uh, then last season, Tennessee, you know Brian Mowers' first start, they were leading well into the, into the second quarter. Uh, right before the half, they kind of they kind of undid all the good work they did by giving up a touchdown drive, yep. uh, missed a long field goal. And then Georgia went down and scored. Um, it was a pretty big swing at that stage of that game. But then Georgia, you know, was a scoreless in the third quarter, and Georgia had to go on a really long drive to put the game away. So um, I think Tennessee's been competitive in this game the past two years, and now I think Tennessee's roster is better, and um, I think they have uh, a better team now than they've had. So um, I, getting into the matchup too much, there's just so much you don't know about Georgia at this early stage. And they've only played one game. It was Arkansas. Um, and the big change for, for the Bulldogs is JT Daniels is now cleared. Is he going to play tonight? We'll see. 
Obviously, Kirby Smart didn't even tell the broadcast guys going into the Arkansas game who's going to start a quarterback. So, Which is a new level of um, uptight, by the way. You almost always tell the broadcasters what's going to happen. Um, and Kentucky just yacked an extra point over time against Ole Miss. Uh, that's that's my facial expression that you're seeing here on Zoom. Oh, so, uh, that's um, funny, yeah, because you're, you're like you're like – 10 or 15 seconds ahead of me. I think I rebounded <laughs> earlier to watch a player paused it. So I'm getting ready to see this yacked extra point. Man, that would be so Kentucky. Oh, my God. Uh, that would be so, so Kentucky um, it hurts. It's it's tough to know what Georgia's going to look like on offense because if they look like they did for a lot of the Arkansas game, um, then Tennessee, I think, can play well enough defensively to keep it a low-scoring slugfest. I really worry about Tennessee's offense against Georgia's defense because I worry about every offense against Georgia's defense, except maybe Alabama's. Um, because – that Georgia defense, I think, is every every bit of elite. Um, they're not going to have to really. I don't. I don't think Georgia will have to, to really pressure Tennessee. I think they can get get home with four guys, and if they can do that consistently, then they'll just rush four and drop seven, and and Garantano will be hesitant to throw the ball and might, um, you know, might take some sacks in that game, and and we'll have to see if they can get any sort of ground game. But um, wait, we just don't know. We just don't know a whole lot about Georgia just because their quarterback situation is so in flux, and with the new system and a new this offseason being weird, it's tough to know what that group is going to look like on that side of the ball. But uh, I know, I know Tennessee staff, I know Tennessee's players will be extra revved up for this game, um, and, and I think they believe they will go. They will go down there believing they can win absolutely. Um, and and has that been the case in the past? I, I don't know. Genuinely, I don't know. I think I think probably in the past Tennessee went into this game, maybe the past two years, thinking let's just keep it close, let's keep it competitive, um, and go from there. Try to get it in the fourth quarter and that kind of thing. You know, when you're an underdog, consider you know decidedly you're trying to you know do what you can to stay in the game for as long as you can. If you're Tennessee now, you're going down there thinking we've got enough players to go down there and beat Georgia if we play well. And so that's going to be their focus this week. Yeah. And I really liked that. Um, you know, there's a couple areas where, you know, Georgia's secondary might be the best in the sec, uh, Bama and some others might have something to say about that. But I, I think Georgia's secondary is at least right there with just about anybody's in college football. It's really, really good. Uh, and, and the dogs have, some, you know, we haven't seen the Auburn game yet. Maybe they get some answers at quarterback. We'll see. Daniels is a guy, obviously, Tennessee uh, was interested in this offseason. So let's not uh, let's let's not dismiss that. The, the guy's a good player. Um, and I think maybe, you know, if he got some things going, that could change that offense. But we know talent wise, you know, Bama isn't quite on its own planet because Georgia's kind of right there with them in terms of pure talent across the board. Uh, in a lot of areas. And so I think Georgia's secondary, um, you know, guys like Palmer and Johnson need to have good, really good performances in a game like that. Um, but Tennessee up front, I think, feels like it can compete in that game. And if you can compete up front and you've got backs like uh, Gray and like Chandler, um, you know, you, you feel like you got a chance. And, and I, I, here's what I really, really liked. You know, Pruitt in this game made a lot of, a lot of comments afterward about, when he asked, when he was asked about Georgia, you know, do your players feel like do you feel like you're ready for a game like this? And he said, absolutely, without flinching. He said, yeah, absolutely. They have great great players. We have great players too. I know he said a version of that before, but he said it. There was a little bit of a difference in his voice when he said it this time. Uh, I really do feel like he believes they can go down there and compete. That's been a game the past two years, as you said, Pat, that Pruitt and his staff were really, really angry after those games because they felt like they had a really good plan and they felt like if they had executed a little better, had a couple other breaks, 
they would have felt like they were right there and had a chance. Um, and I think people might laugh at that and dismiss that. I, I think that guy and his staff, they do not BS with this. I think if they say that, they believe that, um, and they believe they should have been closer within the past couple of years um, because they felt like they had a good good plan going into it, and they really liked where they were uh, in terms of some of those individual matchups they picked out. But bottom line is they're not going to go down there afraid, I don't think. Now, we'll see. Everybody's got a good plan until they get hit in the mouth, right? Mike Tyson was right about that. But here, here, here's, here's the thing, Pat. Tennessee, when Pruitt was asked about going for it on those fourth downs, he said, listen, this has been a rough year for everyone with all the COVID going around. You know, we've been through a lot. We don't have fear, though. We don't live in fear. We don't, we don't live in fear. We don't coach in fear. We don't play in fear. It's almost like he's starting to understand that you can beat your chest a little bit and have a little pride in being Tennessee, and I think they feel like they're almost there. I really do. I feel like they're really, really close, and they feel like they are. Yeah, you mentioned kind of what Tennessee, what Pruitt's mindset is about this game. I think he got asked after the Missouri game earlier, you know, did he think they were ready to go and compete against Georgia? And he kind of scoffed at the question. He was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, he kind of thought, I don't want to say he was taken aback by it, but he was like, didn't even hesitate. Um, you know, I think that's just sort of his confidence. Um, this is probably the game that they probably want to win as a staff more than anybody. Um, and obviously now there's the, the Cade Mays element to it as well, where, you know, he gets cleared 10 days before that game and has, a you know, has the Missouri game to um, kind of get, you know, get the rust off. And then he's, then he's playing his former team. So, uh, that's going to be, uh, like, like you said, I think this team is going to go down there thinking they can win, and, that, and that's going to be uh, different than the past. Um, and sure enough, Kentucky misses an extra point and loses on a missed extra point. Lane yeah. Kiffin is throwing headsets and pump, just pumping. Man, that is that, that, too. I really was high on Kentucky this season, so this is uh, – uh, they are not who I thought they were. Um, but anyways. That's so um, – Pat, that's so Kentucky it hurts. That is so <laughs> Kentucky. That is one of the most Kentucky things I've ever seen Kentucky do. Um, and Mark Stoops, I think, is chasing the official, so that's pretty fun. Um, a lot of stuff going on in Lexington that's distracting me. Anyways, um, yeah, I just – it's – um. I, I just we I, I'm hesitant to see. I really want to see what Georgia looks like on against Auburn tonight. Um, that's a tough defense that Auburn has, and I'm sure that Tennessee staff will be watching that game and probably trying to see what what they can emulate. Assuming it works, I, I have no idea what to expect from JT Daniels. Um, what he might play like if he's even starting. Um, I know he's he's still got uh, has has had the uh, the knee issues that um, he just got cleared from. So. Uh, we'll just have to see what Georgia looks like, and I'm sure Tennessee will have a, uh, an eye on that game to see what, uh, how Georgia looks and, uh, and see what, what maybe they could uh, take advantage of next week in Athens. You know what, Pat? Here, I'm gonna, look, let's close with this thought. Tennessee is going into Georgia week, right? And Tennessee has some momentum. Tennessee feels like, you know what, we can go down there and compete. And if you're a Tennessee player, if you're a Tennessee fan, you know, and I want to say this especially for the fans because they've been through a lot and, you know, they're they're not quite where they need to be. They need to get better. Everybody knows that. But, you know, if you didn't feel like things were going on the right track before these past couple games, I don't know why you wouldn't see it now. Um, they're going to have some setbacks this season. I don't think they're going to win a national championship, yada, yada. But I think you can see where this is going now and you feel like they, they've – I think Pruitt likes 
where things are. And I think talking to a lot of former players also, uh, they really like what they're seeing. They like what they're hearing. I think you can feel like this thing's going in a better direction. I really I really do. And I think that if you're Tennessee, you're going into this week thinking, you know what, there's a chance. And by God, isn't that fun? I mean, isn't that fun to see Tennessee sort of close to being what it should sort of always be? Yeah, it's it's gone from, from being a – you know, Tennessee under Butch Jones, and I don't want to bring Butch Jones up. Sorry, everyone. Um it womp, went from being womp, sort of uh, a lot of the times it was what was going on off the field. Now it's it's like a it's kind of a big boy adult football program. You know, it's business. It's um, they've got a culture established. Every you know the players know um, what to expect. They know these coaches. Um, they know how to work. How many times have we heard Pruitt talk about how he likes how this team uh, works? So they like how this team and the staff work together. Uh, and of course, it's easy, it's easy to say that when you've won eight games in a row. Uh, I mean, Tennessee hasn't lost a football game in almost a year, um, and as we know, winning solves whatever ills there are. Second longest win streak um, in the country. So, and, and that's where, uh, and, and this is why this game is so important because it is a chance for you to validate everything you've done in the right direction. Because uh, this eight, eight game win streak is nice, but who, you know, Tennessee's beaten South Carolina twice, Missouri twice, middle off the top of my head, Indiana, Vanderbilt, UAB, and Kentucky. Now, Tennessee was losing those games not that long ago, so we need to, we need to make sure we take that into account. Um, and there needs to be credit done, you know, credit needs to be given there for just that little bit of progress. But, you know, this is a program that's won a lot of football games, it's won a lot of titles, um, it's done a lot of winning. Um, and now you have the chance to go to one of your rivals who is at the top of, of your division. You've taken an offensive coordinator and you've taken a, a former five-star offensive lineman from them. Uh, and now you have a chance to go and beat them in their own stadium. So it's a huge opportunity for Tennessee. Uh, I'm sure we'll have all sorts of coverage this week. Tons. Um, and this will, this will be Tennessee's biggest game in, in a while, at least a few years. Uh, this is the first time they're 2-0 since 2016. And, um, as you know, as you as you keep winning, when you keep winning, games keep getting bigger and bigger. So um, this is a huge game for them coming up next week. It could lose some of its luster if Georgia goes and lays an egg against Auburn tonight, though. So, uh, But I don't know that that makes it any less of a statement opportunity game for Tennessee uh, down there in Athens next week. Might be the biggest game since, what, the last trip down when they went down to A&M, I think, and that was two top ten teams. I think maybe that was – that was a big one, but it didn't have sort of the same luster because it's not like a traditional rivalry like Tennessee Georgia is. So, I'm looking forward to it, Pat. You know, we're we're gonna have a we're we're gonna get here. We're gonna watch Auburn Georgia, see how that goes. Uh, we're gonna spend a little bit of time with the family on Sunday, get some updates, uh, put a bunch of stories on the board, and then we are full bore. We are, it's gonna be a big week. We're gonna have a ton of coverage. Uh, obviously, everyone knows that, that we get along really well with the guys. Uh, some of my favorite guys in the business are, are the guys who cover Georgia uh, for 24/7 Sports. Jake Road, Rusty Manzel, two of the just best dudes you'll ever meet. We'll have lots of stuff from them. Some love to Kip too. Don't leave Kip out. I'm not gonna leave Kip out. I don't deal with Kip as much, um, but I do. I do like Kip, and I agree. Um, but I we only we, like Kip. We we love the other two. Yeah, we would like you, Kip, but we really love the other two guys. And I think last year we did a pod. I did a pod with Jake Rowe, kind of a dual podcast uh, that we both released during the week. Uh, so we'll probably do that again, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun doing all this. Um, so I think what we're going to do now, Pat, is we're going to go ahead and step out of here, and we're going to get to watching football, and we're going to get to uh, getting things lined up for coverage for next week. So we'll see you, buddy. See you, Wes. Guys, I say this all the time, 
and I mean it all the time. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thank you for making us part of your routine. We're just really, really happy about where we're going with this thing. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can also find, if you just want Tennessee news, you want nothing else, uh, just Vols, all Vols all the time, you can get that at twitter.com slash govols247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govols247, and we have a ton of great stuff throughout there. I mean, we that thing gets updated, what, 15, 20 times a day? I mean, there's tons of stuff on there on our Facebook page. But if you want that delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water just right from the tap, delicious, as God made it, go to govols247.com, the best coverage on all of Al Gore's internets for Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who does an outstanding job covering all things Lady Vols for us. Uh, You can get all of it there. And for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And if you pay us full price, you get free access. As long as you're a member with us, get free access to GoVol or to I'm sorry, CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform. Tons of cool stuff on there. Every show CBS has ever done, commercial free, new movies in and out every month, live sports, SEC football, Tennessee football, NFL football, uh, college basketball, NCAA tournament, March Madness, uh, World Series of Poker stuff, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all of it. All of it. That's a $100 plus annual value that we give you for free. For free. If you subscribe to GoVols 24-7. So go check us out at GoVols247.com. Please rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. And if nothing else, guys, uh, you should hear from us. uh, Barring major breaking news, you should hear from us on Monday. So, see you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.